0: Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. This season is all about intentional comfort, and we'll be taking a look at the crossroads of the inspiration, intention, and action that you can take to bring more comfort and joy to your everyday. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 309 here on Jumpstart Your Joy. In this week's show, I'm really excited to share an interview that I had with my friend and fellow podcast producer, Marian Abrams. Her show is called Grounded Content. And this episode is actually the second half of a two-part interview that she and I have done in this last week. Part one is up on her podcast, Grounded Content, right now, and you can go listen to it. And this is the second half of that conversation, which is all about podcast publishing, editing, and more. And it's a lot of fun because I know so many of you that listen have some sort of entrepreneurial pursuit where you are creating content week over week or on a regular basis. And some of those past episodes about content creation and creativity have been the most downloaded here on Jumpstart Your Joy. I really love this conversation with Marion so much that I felt like it deserved to also be here on Jumpstart Your Joy. Before we get to that, I want to wish you all a very warm welcome and say thank you so much for tuning in this week and always. And I'd love to hear what you think of this kind of content here on Jumpstart Your Joy. I know it's a little bit different and I'd love your feedback. You can always email me at jumpstartyourjoy at gmail.com couple of other things, of course, if you want to buy my book, you can find that at jumpstartyourjoy.com as well. It's right on the homepage and it came out this last year. It's all about how to find joy in the messy middle, which of course has been these pandemic times and there's so many good ideas there for you. And if you love this podcast and you want to buy me a cup of coffee, (laughs) it's basically just a way to show your thanks and send me a few dollars, uh, and I'll give you a shout-out on the show if you do. The most recent person showing their support was... Marsha Flowers of 5B Co out of Kansas City, Missouri. She makes the most wonderful candles. So content is something we're all creating constantly, and I feel like there's so many great ways to think about it, and it all goes back to purpose. And so if you want to hear a little bit more about that on Marion's show, we talk about that in depth. And if you want to think a little bit more about how to specifically get into having guests on a show or thinking about your content in a bigger way, I think you could sub in the word for whatever it is that you make for podcast in this upcoming interview, except the part where we talk about, you know, Apple podcast. <laughs> That's kind of podcast specific, but you could always scrub past that. Um, so welcome to the show, Marion Abrams. Marion, you want to say hi? and, and tell I me want a to say bit. hi. <laughs> it's really hard for me not to just
1: jump in. You're so professional. I've only heard you when you were the guest on my show, but hearing you as the host on your show, it's like a whole new Paula
0: comes out. Mm, yes. Well, I mean, I have to admit, here's another hot tip maybe, folks. There is a persona of Paula the Podcasters, and my family will even laugh that they're like, that's the podcasting voice. Yes, my my
1: family actually call it my Terry Gross voice or my NPR voice.
0: (laughs) That's so good. I think there's I think there's a nugget in here for anyone who has just listened to our previous conversation on your show too, which is this kind of fits into the what's in and what's out conversation yeah. which we had, which is I am not this is not how I talk to people. Like if you had a phone call with me, I'm not as calculated. <laughs> no you're you're hilarious, by the way. But
1: also, I think it's interesting that even just in this first minute or so, your show feels a little different from my show, as it should,
0: right? As it should. Yes. Yes. I kind of have a strong intro of like, here's where we're going. It's the old- Wait, are you saying what I you're... didn't have that? No, you do. You do. <laughs> but I think this is from, interestingly enough, a skill set I learned as a sorority person where our house mom would be like, when you have a meeting, you want to tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them. Tell them what you told them. And that's one of the ways I approach podcasting. I have no comment there. Thank you, Lois. Lois Abbott, thank you so much. That's I don't fine. even – because I have so many
1: questions, but I'm not going to even.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay. Marion, uh, uh, let's talk about what is a podcast. Can you give yeah. me your answer?
1: I love this question because – yes. I think for the most part, a podcast is whatever the listener thinks it is. So there's all these artificial conversations about how a podcast has to be on an RSS feed and it has to be listened through an Apple podcasting app or whatever. I don't think any of that matters. If it's, It should be audio content, primarily. It can have video too, but it should primarily be audio content. It's distributed digitally, probably. But other than that, I kind of feel like anything goes. People say, well, if it's on YouTube, it's not really a podcast or if it's on you know, whatever app it's on. There's some technical stuff about what a podcast technically is. But I think if you're creating audio content, I don't care if you call that a podcast. And I think most of the stuff that we talk about applies. What do you think? Yeah.
0: Well, yes, I think so. I have t- there's two mindsets there for me. One is the word podcast. And what does that mean? And then I think there's also the piece, which is when you start to talk about content creation, truly a lot of what you and I both are going to be talking about would apply to digital media and probably true, even true. blogging. Or I, right? mean, I actually have an old episode that's about how to create content for your blog, podcast, or retreat. Weird. Like I think there's, I think content creation, one of the things I love to yes. talk about is even like how do people create content, whether that's. Writing, art, anything, week over week in- I should have you on my
1: Grounded Content podcast. Oh, wait, I just did.
0: Oh, wait. (laughs) So I think there's a lot of similarities. So the definition for me of the word podcast does mean that it's audio. And I think it, since it came, podcast came from the Apple iPod, I feel like it does need to have a component, at least, that goes out via RSS feed That hits some of the podcast players, and that is not just on YouTube. And we might be a little bit different there, or not just even on Anchor, which is another host. Like I think, get it out there, make use of the content you know distribution platform you have.
1: I, I gave a talk at a community access station. Now this was about two years ago. Podcasting wasn't as much of a thing. Now some of the questions included things like, can you tell me the difference between a podcast and a blog? If I have a podcast on YouTube, I don't know, it was something about a podcast on YouTube. I don't remember what the question was. (laughs) Okay, there were some very hilarious questions, but it became obvious to me that from the listener side, yes, that people didn't really understand or think about it the way we do. And I think that's all that really matters. Technically, there's a way that it's published and distributed. And I guess the only thing there that I think matters is that there's a lot of bullshit out there. Yeah. And There are a lot surprisingly high number of podcast hosting services or podcast producers who act like it's this huge extra bonus that they will take your podcast and, as they say, we'll make sure it gets on all the platforms. We'll get you on Spotify and Apple and Stitcher and all the places. And the truth is, if you have a podcast and you do it through any of the normal technology, that's how it works.
0: It goes there. I mean, you do have to set up an account with Apple and i think you have to oh, like set it up so that the rss feed but gets But that's connected. basically
1: what a podcast
0: is. Yeah. That there's nothing fancy. It's not fun and it, you only do it once, but it, yeah, that doesn't that's not a bonus really. It's not a bonus, right? Well, if you have a podcast
1: it should be doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's Well, and so the other the book end of that piece is i was watching and i don't remember i watched the youtube a lot because And I did just do the on purpose. I don't actually call it that. It's just funny. But I like to watch because one of my clients does a lot of YouTube videos. And I'm learning all the time. And then some of this will go out on YouTube too. So it's awesome. Check out my channel. Do you have a channel? (laughs) Hit that subscribe and like button. I'm kidding. Yes, I do. It's just under my name. I'll link it up. But what this person was saying, they were clearly not delineating. They were talking about Pat Flynn. Great example. He's a powerhouse in the audio podcast industry and in video. He's got a huge YouTube show. But this guy was talking about stats and how all of Pat Flynn's listens went down once he started podcasting, which I think he was saying was like he was making daily shows. But it wasn't like – I mean – Pat Flynn's been podcasting like 10, 15 years. Like it wasn't he just started. So I think there's some bit of this that I would like it if we as an industry could start to yeah, use the yeah. word podcast to mean it's an audio. It's not a it's daily an audio. show on YouTube. I think
1: some people use the term podcasting to mean interview. Mm, I, be, I, yeah. I have heard that. I don't think that is correct, but I think that is. So people will say like, I have a podcast on LinkedIn Live. Or I have a podcast on YouTube, and I think what they mean is
0: that they interview people. Sure. Well, so maybe update your your language wording to be I, I have an interview yes. series. So I think what we think a
1: podcast is. So what we agree on is it's audio content, and it is um, serial, right? Like it's yeah. not just one. Episodic. There's multiple episodes, right? I guess that's all, all the full definition, really.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's a digital file that you could oh definitely listen to here. On, I mean, I'm pointing to my laptop, but you could also listen to it on your phone. It's portable,
1: and I think most people. I we're getting really in the weeds here, but I, I think <laughs> like I think basically it's it's audio content. And the truth is, most people are going to listen through a podcast app, right? And they're going to listen, and those are things like Apple, like Stitcher, like Spotify. Even yes. Google Podcast app. And what that means is that they will subscribe or follow, so you they'll they'll get the latest episode. Well, they know. If they're listening on your podcast, they already know. never mind. We hope they know. Okay.
0: Yes. So I think that's helpful, though. Like so if you're using language that's not clear, maybe just choose a different word and let's all join hands and get this straight. The next piece that I know we want to talk about is editing. So after we have done our interview or recorded our episode, Editing. Let's talk about this from a philosophical standpoint because I know we don't want to get into the weeds about what tools you use. I mean, if we bring up tools, that's cool, of course. But how do you approach editing, Marianne? I think this
1: is so interesting because for me, my background is television. And when Mm -hmm. you're editing for television, it's really a specific way of thinking, and that is like an assembly And so the background I have for editing, I I describe it to people as if you maybe made these collages when you were a kid and you would take a magazine and you'd cut out words from a bunch of different magazines and then you would put them all together and make a thing. So a lot of people think of editing as I take out the bad stuff. I don't think about editing that way. I think about editing as choosing the good stuff and assembling it. And so with my podcast, I don't get really into that. But I still think about editing as a critical part of how you form your content. Yeah. So for my podcast, Grounded Content, my editor does a really good job. And I will often do a 45-minute interview that turns into a 25-minute show. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of restructuring and reframing. And I'm always thinking about, what did I get the guest to say? One of the things that I I do a lot is I'll ask a question. And so the question might be, you know, how do you think about creativity? But then there might be a long explanation where I would say, how do you think about creativity, Paula? And by that, I mean, how do you think about in the context of creating your podcast? Because my audience is really curious about X, Y, and Z. And then you'd answer. My Mm -hmm. editor would take out that whole description. Mm-hmm. But it's necessary to give you the information you need to answer the question in the right context. Yes. But the audience doesn't need to hear any of that. So I'm mm-hmm. always thinking about structurally editing the show. But having said that, the work I do for Spartan, which is how I really got into the podcasting space, that's very straightforward. I mean, that's really just mm-hmm. cleanup. Yeah. There, it's like, if something's embarrassing, take it out. If there's a too long of a pause, just make things flow a little smoother. That's 90% of the editing. Put on the open, put on the close, just put the pieces together. And then of course, there's, I love the idea of really like building a narrative and editing that way. But I think a lot of editors in the podcast world think of editing as applying EQ and taking out the ums. Right.
0: That's interesting. And there's two things there for me, which is I'm probably a little bit more of a complimentary style to yours. I'm not going to say it's the opposite, but with the work that I do, because <laughs> we always have different opinions, I feel like these are the best conversations. I often am taking something, and just like you said, it's important to get rid of like kind of the unnecessary pieces. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely of the opinion that everything needs to be edited. And yes, if you're listening to a show and you're like, but it's so clean, I'm sure they just had a great conversation. No. What you're hearing and not hearing is a good editor that pulled out those extra bits, the embarrassing side chatter, like the unnecessary direction they headed. This goes back to what we talked about, about
1: what's the purpose, what's in and what's out, right? And some of that gets decided in the
0: edit. Right. Yeah. And that's why it's really important when you go in to look at it. I do what I call a content pass and a pass when I'm editing, meaning I go over the entire content. And I look for the narrative and I pull mm-hmm. out what isn't adding to that. What isn't, and we talked about this in your episode as well the arc. What's the beginning, middle, and end? Where am I taking this audience on this story? If it doesn't fit that. And there's some weird story about bird watching. No offense to bird watchers. I might pull it. But I think there's something there about tying it, always tying it back to your mission. So do the pass, see if this is what's in and out, like you were saying. And then, I also do the past, which is removing ohms and ahs, getting rid of filler gaps, equalizing it out. It's mm-hmm.
1: important that it doesn't hurt your ears, that it's not wasting your time. Yeah. But I'm thinking this episode and your guesting on my show, Grounded Content, both of those, they don't have a narrative. No. And so for me, I do a lot of that kind of editing sure. as well. And there it's really how do you convey the information clearly same process. Mm -hmm. You always need to be thinking about it from the point of view
0: of the listener. How do you make sure that the right stuff is in and the right stuff is out? Yeah, for sure. I also think there's opportunities when you're in post, when you're doing editing, if as the host, you didn't lead up to a question and the, the guest has just wandered into a territory that's super interesting, it's also okay to jump right back on your mic, get your You know, you're equalizing about the same and throw in a question. Because I think there's also something to be said for you're still, as the host, the one that's mostly in control of a conversation. And if somebody's wandered off and it doesn't tie in, or the audience has to make a bizarre jump from this point to this point, and you know they're not going to, it's okay to lead them or do kind of an NPR style, you know, voiceover of next. I find that Marion starts talking about equalizing in very technical terms. Let's hear what she has to say. Yeah, exactly. I agree. That's so,
1: so helpful. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's not pretend or fake. It's important. You have to help yeah. the listener get there. Now I'm thinking about this. Maybe we should be talking about how, because a lot of podcasters won't be the editors.
0: Indeed. So how
1: should people think about working with an editor? Ooh. Oh, you're supposed to be asking the questions. This is your show. Sorry.
0: No, but I like this. This is good and it fits right in. I, I We're both good question askers. AKA we interviewers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know when I, I'm going to put that on my LinkedIn
1: question asker, question asker. expert question asker.
0: <laughs> well, I think just being cognizant of the fact that there is an editor, if you're the interviewer or the host, and if we started talking over, of course we can do split tracks and all that magic for sure. Or if we just start talking over each other and getting raucous, just saying, let's do that again you know, hey, editor, we're going to do this again. So they can just get a clean take on it. You know, if there's a dog barking, put yourself on mute. Like, I think there's a lot of things that you can help in the background that the audience is not ever going to know even happened and doesn't need to know happened. But like, keep in mind that for them to get you a really good, solid episode, you're going to have to jump through a few hoops to get there for them. Just like that. I just mispronounced a word and I Set it again so there can be a clean take. Now, in my case,
1: I had a background as an editor. So for me, it was teaching my editor what I wanted, what my idea of editing was. For some people, the editor is going to ask them those questions because the editor is going to have more experience. Mm -hmm. In my case, I was working with an experienced editor, but she doesn't know me or my style. And so in the beginning, there were a lot of notes and a lot of transcripts and I would literally say, you know, sometimes it's, hey, there's these three topics that are important and only put in the other stuff as you need it to get between them. Right. Or, you know, those kind of general stuff. But in the beginning, as she's getting to know me, I might also go through a transcript and say, take out this paragraph, take out this chunk. And that is more to give her an idea of the the level of detail or the kind of editing I'm looking for mm-hmm. and then now I do almost nothing she knows what right you know she knows my personality if you have a good editor they they learn how you want to work with them
0: yeah well it isn't this super important because I feel like a couple of my initial interactions with an editor I realized I was going to have to train them but then I was kind of frustrated. I'll be honest. Like they didn't get it. How come they didn't get it? And I think so they if didn't you read your mind, right. They didn't have a crystal ball. So I think understanding that giving somebody, you know, several episodes and working with them, sure it's going to be a little bit of an investment, but the right person will get it. But especially if you're on like, and no judgment really. Right. If you're on Fiverr or something like that and read the description, like, or if you're interviewing an editor, ask them exactly what it is that they do for that price because if they a lot of them it really is i remove a few filler words gap spaces equalize and i add your intro and outro and maybe that is what all, all that you want but i and i would add to that yeah. like that's not
1: a judgment you also can't expect someone that's charging you a level that they can do in that amount of time yes. that they're going to reframe your whole story and build
0: a narrative it's un- yeah. unrealistic to expect that yeah Fully agree. Yeah. And so if that, I think understanding what you want and what your expectations are and then looking for that right resource is, is great. And I love that you said that you have gotten to the point where you trust this person completely because I know when my team and I edit for clients, we are at a place at least with one client where there's no feedback. We just roll it. I've also worked with people where it's like you get these notes. Oh my gosh, if you're doing this past the first five or six episodes, maybe look for a different editor because you're not on the same page or you're frankly being a pain in the ass. (laughs) Maybe we should get my my editor
1: on and find out if I am a pain in the ass because I might be.
0: (laughs) You're not. I bet you're not. If you're letting it go without these... But like timestamp numbers, like remove this word. And we've done two rounds and we're on a third... No, 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 no. Please move on or stop that behavior. Can I tell you though, we did... (laughs) So there was one episode where...
1: I did get really in the weeds. But I think it worked because... So I had a funny, like a kind of a goofy back and forth with my guest. And the editor took it out, which normally would be right. because She was trying to get... Be efficient with the information. And I said, see if it works. It seemed funny at the time. Let's put it back in. You never know if what seems funny at the time really is. So she put it back in. And the guest had said at one point, like, and so that became like a running joke. Mm. She actually said it before I kind of made the joke in real life. But I kind of sounded like extra. I was being like in the interview. So I asked the editor, could we put the part where she says it's kind of a running joke after I made my little jokes? It seemed like I was being funny and she thought I was funny. Right. Yeah. That worked. And that is a level that you can like. You really can move stuff around. Yeah. But um. But I probably was being a little bit of a pain. But I really, I had an idea that it could work. And also, I was being vain. I didn't want to look like I was I being. I think so that's extra. different. Not yeah.
0: Funny. I I think that if I'm getting those kind of comments back from a client of, ooh, you know what would work better? I think that's co collaboration. The level that I'm talking about is. People that have already literally listened to something twice and sent over copious notes twice and then want to nitpick other little things. I think the level is that you do learn to trust an editor, you know, and and learn to take their lead and trust that they also want what is best for your show. And if you don't have that relationship, go find it because I think that's really important from kind of the philosophical standpoint for editing.
1: And know that editing means a lot of different things. Yes. And you really need to have that conversation upfront about what it is you're looking for in an editor.
0: Yes, I think that's really good. So let's talk, too, about publishing. And, you know, maybe this is from the perspective of your early in your podcast journey. What do people need to know about the publishing side? It's
1: it's the one technical thing maybe I would go down, because I remember when I was starting to publish the first podcast I did, and... We started doing research and I actually had an intern and I I asked them to research some of this stuff and they were like, you need, you, you need to use this separate hosting platform. And I was like, that can't be right. What are you talking about? I don't even understand. It's something on Apple. It is a little confusing. The one service that you need to pay for or some of them are free, but you do need a service which is where you put your audio content and it gets distributed yep. to all the other places. And it's once it's set up, it's pretty automatic. You know, they're built for that. But that is the one kind of technical piece that you need to put in
0: place that may not be intuitive. Right. I, I appreciate that. And I have even gotten inquiries from potential clients. And when I went to look on their website, it was clear, I mean, you can do view source on a website, right-click view source. I always do this. <laughs> just because it's fun. And I could tell that they were using their um, website host to host their podcast files. This is a big no-no. And if you're like, Ugh, why are we so in the weeds on this? Here's why it's a problem. If you are uploading your podcast files to GoDaddy, there's a couple issues. Or whatever your host is. I'm just using that as an example. Here's the issue. It's against the terms of, and conditions usually to be loading files of that size. Part two of this issue is what you're saying, Marion. Is it's not easy to connect that file to the RSS feed that then gets your show out to the place where people listen. And so, this particular potential client, they were like, "Well, I don't know why we're not on on Apple." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, because and there's so many steps in behind that." So yes, like you're saying, <laughs> you're like, "Where do I even begin?" So how do you get them there? Well. Folks, you want to host, which is, here's a few. Libsyn, use the code JOY and you get a free month. Oh my gosh, affiliate. Nice. Yeah, or Anchor or Buzzsprout's a great one. Acast is another. Captivate.
1: captivates. that's the one I was
0: trying to think of. So use one of those. And then like you said, the thing that puzzled me the most when I was brand new baby podcaster, Paula, seven years ago was how do I get then Libsyn out to Apple That is the only thing that confused me. Let's just say this, again, in the weeds. Apple does not host your files. There is no actual podcast that lives at Apple. They are linking out through what's called an RSS feed, which is like real simple service or something. It pulls the files from Libsyn, and then the guy over at Apple, the gal over at Apple that's hitting play, they're getting the file from Libsyn. And same with Spotify,
1: and same with... Google Podcast app, wherever you're listening to it, is just pulling a reference from that original
0: file. The big server that's set up to do content distribution. That's your friend. Do not put it on your GoDaddy website. (laughs) And then ask, why am I... And do not pay someone extra, bingo, who says yes. Okay. Now that we've just added more fun for everybody... (laughs) Oh my goodness, congratulations. You have a podcast. You have a podcast. You see it on the Apple. Now it's time to promote it. And I find that one of the things that people get super hung up on is they feel like they look at somebody who's been podcasting a while and they see that they're on Instagram, they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter, they're on TikTok, they're on YouTube. They think they have to be everywhere at once. And the thing that I tell people when they're just starting is focus on one thing. Focus on the place that feels like you already want to spend time there and start talking about your show there. What do you see in this kind of ecosystem? Here's how I think about it I think that there are three big pieces
1: to growing your audience. Yes. The first piece is getting new listeners to come and find your show. Mm -hmm. The second piece is when they find your show, are you keeping the promise you made to them? Are they actually getting what they expected? Are you serving them well? And then the third piece is how are you getting them to come back next time? Yeah. And so most people, when they think about growing their podcast, only think about the first part. And so they think about should I be advertising? Should I be guesting on other podcasts? Should I be paying money? Should I be sending emails? Should I be on social media? And they don't spend enough time thinking about the stuff we talked about in that first episode. What is your show about and how do you really execute and keep that promise well Mm -hmm. so that when your new listener comes and listens, they love what they heard? Because if they don't love it, there is an infinite library of other shows for them to listen to. And so if you're not serving that purpose, none of the other stuff matters. You need to do it because it's like a blog, right? You could be putting it out all day long, but if nobody knows it's there, You could have the best content in the world and it won't, won't be listened to. But I think you have to think about all three of those pieces.
0: Yeah. I like that you brought that up too. I I mean, I remember stats at some point, which is how do podcasts grow? And it, I think the top percentage is by quite a bit, and I don't know the numbers, I'm not going to make them up, is word of mouth. It is not social media. It is, and these are below that social media and guest appearances and having guests and having guests share. Yes, those are all good ways, but really word of mouth is the best way to grow. And it reminds me a little bit of what one of our mentors, Elsie Escobar, teaches, which is having language that is repeatable, meaning I know what your show is about, Grounded Content. It's about I sharing what I assume is your mission statement. If I were to tell someone, it's a show where I learn how to create content in a repeatable way that is true to my mission and explains my purpose and teaches people about it. And that's why I would tune in. I think if you can get to whatever that nugget is, it's not even, it's not an elevator pitch. It's like, it's like the three word rebellion. Michelle Miser talks about that. Like what's the three things? Yeah, right. It's not the elevator pitch. It's
1: for you. You need to
0: know that. Yeah. And you
1: need to say that and you need to make that promise to your audience and keep that promise to your audience of what the show is. And I think... When I talk about this with people a lot, they think that that means that they have to have, like, five takeaways per episode. No, you have to serve the promise to your audience. You have to serve a purpose for your audience. But, like, that purpose might just be they want company, Hmm. yeah. right? They might just want to, like, hang around with you. That purpose could be stories. Like, the purpose can be a lot of different things. Yeah. You just need to get clarity on what role you fill for your listeners. Yeah so that you can repeat that. And so, yeah, I think that clarity, you could call it an elevator pitch, but really it's an internal dialogue. It's
0: that filter we talked about. Yeah, the nugget that I talk about too. And you don't ever have to tell your audience what it is. They should know it in some way, shape, or form and be able to tell other people, oh, you want to listen in in my other show because it's all about finding joy in hard times and difficult situations. Oh, I want to listen. And then, like you said, when they show up, have that content (laughs) (laughs) Content available. What do you feel like when people say, Should I be on? Fill in the platform. So, this is all
1: I, I have my little seesaw. Yeah. Which, if you're watching, you can see my hands going up and down. But there's the balance. What are your resources? Yeah. And what are your goals? And sometimes there's something you can do that takes minimal resources and maybe only gets minimal results. Fine. Great. If it takes minimal resources and gets great results, also great. Mm-hmm. If it takes maximum resources and gets minimum results, not so great, right? Yeah. I mean, it's all a balance and your resources are, could be money, could be staff, could be your physical time or your skill set. But for me, I'm not on TikTok. Um, I think it probably would be a great place to be, but it's, for me, the resources and some of that is even just the learning curve, time. For sure. It doesn't make sense for me right now.
0: Well, and I think that's part of the experiment. I mean, as much as you can, when you're looking at this promotion side to say, what if this is all just an experiment and we are trying Mm -hmm. different things? And when you can see that you're starting to get traction on something, do more of that. Double down. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you aren't going to know, even if air quotes experts say, oh, well, you should be on this. Or even if they say this never works, well, try it if you're interested because yeah. I think your excitement over something often will win over things that aren't even supposed to work. Because I saw uh, another YouTuber, like I said, I'm studying, and this person was like, you don't want to split your audience between YouTube and podcasting. And I actually have a fundamentally different point of view on that because and this might come from having a background in digital media, but people... Or just philosophy. (laughs) People learn and want to interact with content in fundamentally different ways. So, I might be a visual person and I want to watch it. I might be an audio driven person and I want to listen. I'm, you know, some of my primary content uh, uh, consumption is while I'm driving. I'm not, I should not have the YouTube on during that time. And some of them might be readers. I mean, one of the things I found out in promotion, we haven't even talked about newsletters, but I had a pretty large size newsletter list. None of these people were opening the newsletters or clicking on a darn thing. So I deleted them. Guess what happened to my downloads? They went down. I didn't get as many because they were seeing there was an email that hit their inbox and they were going to their app. They were not taking any action in the newsletter. It was a different kind of reminder.
1: That is so important right there. I remember at one of the podcasting conferences hearing some of the big, you know, the big podcast, the NPR, the Gimlet Media, these people talking about this phenomenon, which is so true if you think about how you consume podcasts or how I consume podcasts. And it was the same with social media. They said one of the biggest battles they have is convincing their marketing team to post the material on social media because social media is is very data driven. Mm -hmm. And so when you post your new episode on Instagram, you may not see a lot of likes. You may not see any click throughs. You may not see any comments, but just like your email, people see it and they say, oh, Paula has a new episode. And then they go to their podcasting app that afternoon on their run or that morning when they're driving the kids to school and they load the episode and play it. Yeah. And they were saying there's a huge impact On downloads, but it is completely untrackable. And for people like me who work with a large business that has multiple teams and there's a social media team and a marketing team and a content team and the podcasting and the YouTube and all these branches, it's a very hard pitch to get them to include your podcast in the social media Mm. because they will tell you it doesn't work. And it's not even fair because they're being measured They have KPIs, they have their key performance indicators, and they got to submit their report at the end of the month and say, look, I increased the engagement on Facebook by this percent. And it doesn't work. And I think this goes to what you were saying about YouTube, too, about splitting the channel. If you are an owner of a YouTube channel and you have data that you have to report on or that's your primary business model. This idea of don't split the audience could make sense to you, yeah. But if you are saying like I want to reach the most people, yeah, then that's not a great strategy.
0: Well, and yeah, I don't. Th- I think that the bonus too could be that if you have, and for one of my primary clients, we've actually seen all mediums feed each other and grow exponentially. A virtuous cycle. It is a virtuous cycle. It's like a vicious cycle, but it's a virtuous a good. cycle. <laughs> It's the opposite.
1: And it means exactly what you're saying, right? You say something on your podcast and people go check out your YouTube and then they listen to YouTube and they go find you on Instagram and then they subscribe to your
0: email and it all spirals upwards. Yes. And they may find you on YouTube because it's basically a big search engine and decide, well, I don't really want to watch this show. I want to listen to this show. I see that she has a podcast. Guess what happens next? And there's no way to track that because that person will disappear They will no longer be on YouTube watching your show. But like you're saying, it's like that untrackable thing. Um, This is super interesting. I feel like we should have another show all about cross-promotion. We should. We should do another show about this. Let's do another show about this. I I feel like we've gotten to a really good landing point here um, about, you know, what is a podcast? How do we edit and approach editing, publishing, more information on that and promoting so much philosophical deepness here. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mary. This has been so great. This was so fun. (laughs) And do you want to tell people where they can find you? Oh, yes,
1: please. They should. You should listen to my podcast, which is called Grounded Content. And if you want to get some podcast coaching or consulting – you can find me at madmotion.com or you can find me through my podcast Grounded Content.
0: Marion, thanks so much for doing this swap with me this week. If you do not catch the first half of this interview, you can find the link in my show notes uh, to go over to Grounded Content, which is Marion's podcast and you'll hear us for another half hour talk about podcast and content and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. And I'm so glad that we got to do this swap. And if you want to learn more um, about what I offer as far as podcast production, I do have a couple of things coming up. On February 4th of 2022, I'll be doing a quarterly content planning session. It'll be a group event and it'll be for podcasts. We'll talk about how you can plan out the next 12 weeks of your content. And if you are interested in a VIP session with me where we'll spend a couple hours together, this is a great one. If you're thinking of a podcast, we could talk about lay of the land and get an idea for your show together, which I'll follow up with some copious notes. Or if you already have a show and you really wanna talk to someone who's in the industry, I've been doing this for seven years, you can schedule a time with me as well. I'll look over all of your social media, your site, listen to your show, and give you some feedback. And we can go over all of that information on the call. You'll have a chance to ask me questions. It's a really great opportunity for a little bit of a tune-up. I'll put all those links in the show notes. I'd love to have you Join me for one of those. They're one of my favorite things to do. So next week on the show, I had said that it would be this week, but we're gonna talk about liminal space. I've had some very interesting aha moments, especially watching shows like Station Eleven, which is on HBO Max. I've also really enjoyed some of the urban explorers over on YouTube, like The Proper People going to talk about liminal space because I feel like that's kind of another way of thinking of the messy middle that we've been in. We're neither at the beginning or at the end. We're somewhere in the middle. (laughs) So let's talk about it. Um, And that will be next week. I hope you'll come on back for that. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.